Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined today by the prestigious, the handsome, the German. Pear. Hey. Hey, what's wow, up, Wow, that's quite the intro. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Pear yeah. Schneider, you, people know you from, from many places. You are uh, in, 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 in our industries, something of a, a legend, one might say. That, that just means old. old Legend just it? means it's from a very long time ago, yeah. Where might people know you from, Pierre? Uh, from IGN. Yeah. So I've been with IGN since 97. So I was there. I'm one of the co-founders of the company. The company was founded in 1999. But I was there before. Um, not right at the very beginning when Imagine Media came up with the concept of IGN and the kind of the, the, the network of affiliate sites, all that. I joined... Right, um, right during the heydays of N64.com, IGN64, as an editor. Okay. So came, you know, fresh out of, uh, uh, you know, fresh from grad school, joined this company, and then just kind of, like, like Darth Sidious just took over. It took on more and more things until, you know, for a while I ran the entire company. And now I'm chief creative officer. So mm -hmm. in, in the IGN Mount Rushmore, the Metal Gear Solid 4 Mount Rushmore of IGN, <laughs> uh, your face is one of the ones on there? Uh, maybe. I hope maybe. so. There's so many people who made that company a yeah. success. You who know, are some other wanna... people that, that helped help make it? So very in the very beginning, so yeah. the guy obviously running the uh, the company was um, you know ch chairman of TED, Chris Anderson. Yeah. Um, there was um, Jonathan Simpson Bint, who is over at Twitch now. I yep. think he's a COO over there. He, you know, I think he came up with the idea for the brand and all that, and and kind of launched it. Um, there are a whole bunch of wonderful people. There was obviously Matt Casamassino was there before me, um, writing about N64. Doug Perry, mm -hmm. um, writing about the N64. I think before everybody. It's the age of, you know, the classic PC gamer, next generation magazine, you know, folks you'll see at Nintendo now, like Chris Slate, mm -hmm. where they're running the PlayStation mag. So, you know, yeah. lots of people made that, made it a success in the beginning. And now you've been there this 20 years. 21, yeah, 21. almost. Yeah, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. 21 years. Yeah, it's been Does it feel 90, that long? No, 97, yeah, no, not quite 21, yeah. So writing about video games on the internet. Yeah. How's crazy, that going? Huh? Good. It's good. I mean, it's never it's never boring. I mean, the the world has changed, right? Yeah. We we started with a website that we updated literally once a night at midnight. The website would publish all the pieces you you you'd written would just go live to the audience. If there was a typo, you couldn't fix it. You'd have oh, to wow, wait fun. for the next publish run. So all your sins were there for everybody to mock, but there were no comments. So you mocked them in your head, and you couldn't tell us. Did you have to wait a day to mock them? Oh, wait, there was nowhere to mock them. They were okay. just they email you. So we, yeah, them? we did a mailbag. So okay. we always got mails, and we got thousands of mails. It was awesome. And then you know the internet changed. Yeah, and this this is the age before Google. This is the age before Amazon. The age before Game GameStop.com or any of these kind of like online retail sites, Reddit, YouTube, any of that. Yeah, and then the world changed so many times, and we um. I'd, I'd like to think that we were always um, we were always there, lockstep, trying to figure out how to take um, a games media brand and modernize it, right? So we started on YouTube very very early on. So you know when people talk about influencers on YouTube, our channel's got eight and a half million subs, right? Okay. We're on Snapchat as the only kind of the only games discover partner. Um, we've got an app on the PlayStation, so you can watch yeah. it without going online. So we, we did we did all that. And do so that's you, been working. Do you ever miss the wild west of the internet? Oh, yeah. Not just in terms of, of your company, but just in general, for that yeah. matter. Uh, what, what do you miss about wild west internet? Well, first of all, remember when we were when we wrote about video games, um, game publishers, PR people did not care about websites. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right next to us, the crew of Next Generation magazine would get a game early. 
to play no matter what platform they play it you know um, because they they obviously they had uh, lead time too of two months so they were play, playing what was almost finished yeah very very different age now where like you get a game now it's not finished when it's out right yeah. like back then almost finished games and you had to kind of fill in the gaps and say uh well the frame rate might get fixed so i'm gonna give it the benefit give of it a little leeway like that there. that's okay. different now but we had to call people and say no this is why we matter this is why you should deal with us websites aren't just you know they're not just fans on the internet it's a professional uh, it's a professional organization. You can trust us to give us heads up. How long do you think it took to create that perception? It took a long time. Yeah. It took a very long time to convince, like to get PR people to understand that the magazine cover that they saw at their local, you know, drugstore or a GameStop, um, that in the end, that wasn't as powerful as getting, getting in front of this audience of millions. Mm-hmm. You know, even at, at, at its biggest, um, like magazines like Game Informer, we're talking about like, a, you know, a rate base of a million, a million eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's like half a day for our Snapchat channel, you know, but it was very difficult to, to convince PR people of that because the physical, you know, tangible magazine cover wasn't there. Yeah. And they like that. They want to show that to their boss and say, see, I got the cover in EGM. Well, covers are fun. Do you ever miss magazines? Yeah. Oh, I, I love magazines. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely subscribe to, um, to, to lots of magazines if there wasn't the amount of garbage you know, the paper garbage, and then the ease of access. By the time you get magazines, you've already read a lot of wonderful big feature stories online. And so... Yeah, that's yeah. what I like about magazines is they're kind of... They're, they're sort of like snapshots in time. Mm. They're, they're frozen in this one particular moment. They, you have longer to write them than a news story, but not as much time as a book. And so they're locked in this really weird kind of... Honestly, disappearing art form kind of writing yeah. that, that it forces you to be trapped a few weeks ago well, it's a, in it's a very a, short window. Yeah, it's a month-long time capsule yeah. too, right? Like yeah, if okay. you you can go to IGN, you can look up an old review or you can dig around for some old mailbag I did in 1997, but you don't get the sense of what was going on that month, mm-hmm. right? But you take an issue of EGM and you go, oh my God, yeah, these games came out and they were super excited about... Uh, Bubsy 3D EGM at one point. Man, I lived in Japan and I read EGM in Japan and they were super hyped about Bubsy 3D really? and I actually imported that game, the Super NES version for my Super Famicom and I was I was so mad. Just, uh, yeah. What was they, the hype about? They were just really excited about like someone doing this 3D platformer that had voice acting and all of that. Okay. I don't know. There was like a very glowing preview. I don't just remember all of it. Of it all? That's yeah, and then when it came out, they didn't like it. Obviously, they played it and they, they said, "Oops." Um, well, that happens sometimes. But yeah, I, so you know that that's that was the magazine age where you did not have the second opinion. Like there was no one to go to to say, "Is this game actually good?" Mm-hmm. Because you had this lead time of two months and. You know? Besides what you do now, working, I mean, you, you now manage a, a large, uh, influential website. Yeah. What else have you done in your life? Uh, what, other, what other vocations have you flirted with? So I actually, um, so right out of high school. So German high school is called Gymnasium, which okay. is the same word as gymnasium. Okay. Um, it's a, it, it used to be, um, you know, the, after the 13th year, you, you graduate with your diploma. It's called Abitur. So after I did that, uh, I messed up my leg. Oh, um, how did you do that? I, I got out of my mom's car 
Um, and suddenly my leg got stuck at a 90 degree angle, oh. basically like, and it couldn't move anymore. So a piece of my knee broke off and blocked the knee. So it was stuck like that. Being a stupid teenager, I'm like, I'll be fine. I'm just going to walk around a little bit. You couldn't walk. I couldn't walk with it. So I, uh, I didn't know this, you know, so I, I stuck around in Germany for a while. My parents moved to Japan. Okay. I hung out in Germany, finished my school and all that with this stuck knee, had it operated, was in a hospital for like two months. And then follows, and I moved to Japan. And why Japan? Um, so my dad had um, his company started a joint venture. So he went over there to lead a joint venture with Sumitomo, the Japanese bank. He worked for a company that made um, um, for Hoechst, which was a um, you know a gases for welding and oxygen, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so basically, selling all the stuff that's in the air anyway. But he, he moved to Japan, and so he had a nice apartment there. And it was an awesome opportunity then to say, could I go to college there? Huh. You know, and... Um, was, it the, was it the cultural novelty? Was it the, the fact that games no. at that point came from Japan and you love games? Was it... What was it? So, Jared, it was honestly, as a kid, having this tremendous anxiety about um, what would lie ahead. Just like... I, I knew I loved to write. I knew I loved computers. You know, there there are all these there were all these things that I was interested in. I was good with languages, for example, okay. in school. You know, uh, German is my 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 native language. But then uh, you know I learned French and then English and you know learned some Japanese later in Japan, of course. Um, and so I just didn't know what to do with that. I, and and I had this kind of existential dread. Hmm. You know, saying like, oh God, school is ending, and you have this thing that you you know what to do in school. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to goof off a lot. I didn't, you know, I, in the end, I didn't get the greatest grades because I, I love to party so much. Okay. And then you get to this point, you're like, wow, what do you do now? I guess I could go to university in Germany, but to do what, you know? And um, then I thought, wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be great to work at a newspaper or a magazine or make documentary movies? And well, then I was like, oh, but how do you get into that? Yeah. So I just didn't know. And then this opportunity came up and honestly, it was a little bit procrastinating on making a decision. There's a, there was a, so we're talking about 1819, right? That's a good time to procrastinate. So there was this opportunity to go to college in Japan because there was a a university, it's called Jochi, uh, in in English, Sophia. And Sophia had had an English language campus. So you could study in English. It was a university, that campus was founded by Jesuits. Okay. Um, wow. And uh, so all, you know, English language programming, uh, and they, they had a course called, um, a pro, four-year program called Comparative Cul- Culture. Sounds completely made up, right? No, 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 no. But it was, all, it was all about learning about Japanese culture. You would take Japanese language classes, yeah. all that. And I'm like, well, this, this could fit in well with what I want to do, right? And yeah. I had grown up in a small town of 10,000 people okay. in Germany. In the um, uh, the Rhineland of Germany, uh, very close to the Dutch border, uh, so our our German accent is kind of halfway German, halfway Dutch. Ooh, that's we call fun. it Plattdeutsch. Yeah. What, what flat, do you call it? Flat German. Flat, flat German. Deutsch, yeah. Okay. So you replace like the S in das, you know, uh-huh. with T. So it's dat. So what's dat what? What does your what does your version of like a a like central German accent sound like? If you're if you're trying to sound like something, well, I speak I speak um, I speak Hochdeutsch, which is central German. Oh, yeah, more yeah. Then like Berlin has a different accent where instead of ich they say ich. 
Okay. Southern Germany is e like it's uh, the Bavarians, you know, like what what Americans no, think no, all I don't. Germans I, are. The answer yeah, is yeah. no, I don't know. Yeah. I, my, my northern of Germany is Northern is kind of like the stiff upper lip almost like we're getting close to England and the the Nordic countries. And so Germany is very very diverse with um with accents and also, you know, I, I think the the way the people are. Anyway, like long story short, I you know, I was like I I'm going to go to Japan. I'd broken up. Uh, my girlfriend had broken up with me, too. So okay. it, there was all this stuff happening at the same time. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so four great. years of college, four years of college sounds, great. sounds like procrastinate. <laughs> like I can procrastinate on life and do something. And I don't know what it's good for, but I will learn another language and I'll get distance and I'll yeah. get I'll get a new outlook on culture and life. Yeah, I had um, I'd done a student exchange for a couple of weeks, um, uh, gone to America, to Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, so when you're a German kid and they say, hey, student exchange program, everybody goes California or New York. And then you always get stuck. No offense, guys, in the in the in the middle. But you always get stuck with, you know, a, a country in the in the in the center of the United States, like a smaller town, usually Lincoln, Nebraska. But it was awesome. Okay. It was, no, like it was Lincoln? great. It yeah. was so um, it was it was a little bit of a we're talking about 80s. Right. So it was. It was almost like it was stuck in the 70s. The, really? Our clothes in Germany were different from the clothes there. And like uh -huh. they, it, it was like watching a, um, a Hughes movie. Like it was like watching Pretty in Pink or something. Like that's, that's how it looked there. And we had already kind of moved towards what the 90s would look like. Okay. So it was very interesting. Is, so yeah. I'd lived abroad. I've uh, just short time there. Yeah. I've stayed with, a friends, uh, with friends in Paris before. So okay. I'd gotten around a little bit. So you were not intimidated by international travel no, was, at all, international living. This can was, I swear on this or no? Absolutely. I, I was scared shitless, of okay. course, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So you were frightened about it. Hmm. All my friends, like that comfort of going to a bar and having beers with your friends, which is a big thing in Germany, right? Yeah. Um, the comfort of, you know, like your best friend lives across from you uh, in the street and there's trees everywhere and you know exactly what all the foods are. All that comfort was suddenly put at risk. Like okay. we're talking, we're not talking about moving to Belgium or the Netherlands or France or Poland or anything like any of the surrounding nations. We're talking moving to Japan. Yeah. Sushi, about as far away Sushi as restaurants did not exist in Germany at the time. Really? Only in Düsseldorf, like the fancy pants town. No kidding. So my dad, before I moved there, my dad took me to my first sushi restaurant in Düsseldorf. And I was like, yeah, it'll, it'll take some getting used to this. Okay. You know, it was very different from our our cooking and our cuisine. Yeah. And then I moved to Japan and uh, it was absolutely crazy. It was absolutely crazy. First of all, I was there as a blonde, then skinny kid, uh -huh. uh, you know, blonde, very blonde hair um, and, uh, you know, with a tan, um, moved to Japan and walked around. I wouldn't see another foreigner all day. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly I was the center of attention. I went from being... Not like I'm not tall, right? I went from being a normal guy in Germany with yeah. lots of tall blonde people to being like literally the only blonde person in a sea of, you know, 10,000 people on a subway or something. Yeah. And you look different than everyone around you. And so suddenly you get this culture shock where everybody's looking at you at all times. Do you all enjoy the, the attention? All the girls were always giggling and whispering and walking by going, Kakoi, like, a, you know, like you suddenly got this, you were being made to feel like, you know, Justin Bieber or something like you were, you felt like a superstar. For those who don't know, what's Kakoi? Kakoi means, ah, oh, cool, handsome, yeah. you know, but, but not, 
it wouldn't happen once a month and it wasn't the kind of thing you'd get back at home where you know you make a connection with someone it it was every day mm-hmm. every hour did you enjoy it i was i was start i was just like i was amazed i felt i felt so special you know mm-hmm. of course i wasn't special i was just like any other kid back in germany but like put into this thing i mean imagine if 200 years ago you had taken a trip to africa right yeah. everybody would have looked at you and said Oh, he was this delight, delightful missionary coming. No, no, but but, every, but everybody would have looked at you like you were from another planet, right? Well, and I, I think about the the in my um, I think about in my yeah. high school the the Romanian exchange student in the small yeah. southern town that I lived in, and and how everybody just kind of looked in awe and, and curiosity constantly, and it must have been very stressful. There, there was not a single black or Asian person in my hometown in the seventies. Wow. That's incredible. Zero. You know, they were later. There were um, uh, in the later years. There were more refugees from mm-hmm. um, from from um, from Southeast Asia. So the the profile changed, and yeah. obviously is very cosmopolitan now. But it was it was um, white people and then Turkish immigrants, of course. Okay. Right. That was the profile of our small town. Wow. And so if Asian people had come to that small town, you know, people would have would have looked too. And by the way, my wife is um, looks very Asian. She's a quarter Japanese. When we went to my hometown, she still got attention as really? well. Really? Yeah. Just, and just so, for looking slightly different. That's yeah. And so and, you know, everybody always says, oh, look at that pretty Chinese lady. I'm like, no, she's not. Yeah. She's not Chinese, but no, and and they say it in German because they think she wouldn't understand. Oh, of, that, course she of course, she speaks fluent German. Great too. German, yeah. yeah, that's but, a lot of fun. But the same thing happened in Japan to me. So I was learning Japanese, and I'd understand what people said about me, and everybody assumed I wouldn't understand a word. Yeah, and it was amazing. I felt like a superstar, and it got to my head too. Yeah. You know, Did I, was, it? I was. I mean, I was just like cocky teenage ah. boy very cocky when i see videos from the time like video camera stuff i was you know i, was, I looked like i was on cloud cloud you, nine thinking i was a superstar you, you did mention video camera stuff i believe that you had a brief flirtation with with male modeling somewhere I around did. this time how do you know this how do i know that? Oh. yeah I, I, i'd love to hear about that if you're willing to talk about it so again like if you are if you look different and you're special yeah um you you get some gigs so i um uh, I took some gigs at, for as a, a, a voice. Yeah. So I was the English language voice of an escalator at a big department store <laughs> chain. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Which one? I'm, t- I'm trying to think. I think it was it was Matsuya. Matsuya. And so, so you'd go great. to like uh, in Asakusa, and it was like, please hold on to the handrail. That and the you? funny thing is, yeah, but it was in English. It wasn't even in German. And yeah. I have a I have a German accent still right. to this this date. Right. Wait till you make me say words like February. Um, and so I did all these voice acting things. Then I was the, my wife and I were the voice of a basically hard rock cafe rip, rip off. And it was like, we're announcing stuff like a mock radio stations, like, you know. So there's this German guy announcing yeah. hard rock. And, that's great. But like copying the American radio annoint, uh, announcer stuff. So you are, know, you doing like, like, are you doing like, now we're going to go for the, uh, you know, now you're going to get the Almond Brothers with, you know, like just doing this kind of radio So you're doing voice. like the fake Damon Hatfield. Oh, totally. I mean, Damon Hatfield's yeah. not fake, but you're, so up, you kind of sound like Damon Hatfield. Yeah. And, and my wife, um, she, she was born in Japan, but she's completely bilingual. She would do her California thing. And uh, then we'd break into kind of almost accented, deliberately accented Japanese and saying, you know, uh, Kyo no Tukusei Shukuji. And you'd be, be doing this like fake 
Inamura Jane radio voice stuff. Um, That's amazing. Uh, announcing today's specials like the BLT and all that. <laughs> BLT. How did you fall into that? It, it's just like once you took one gig, you yeah. got just more gigs. So I did, I sang, chil I can't sing. I sang children's songs for Sony Music. <laughs> so I did some stuff for Sony all the while being in college. The, find the, this the escalator like i don't think you can find any of this stuff and then of course teaching you have English. a mission all of you all of you listening and watching find this and send it to me and then of course english teaching english right the moment yeah. you do this stuff it's like oh can you teach uh, our our school class yeah. english and i'm like sure i can i'm german but they didn't care yeah. it was just you know white guy white guy can teach english that was the assumption you found yeah and then I, you know, I got all these gigs, and that helped me obviously pay for, um, you know, living in a very expensive town. At first, I was able to live with my parents uh, in Ichigaya, like right in the center of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. My dad, I mean, in hindsight, his company took care of him. Like, I don't want to know what the rent was. Must have been like ten grand for his apartment, which is his apartment at the time probably would fit into my kitchen and my living room. That yeah. was the entire house. But that part of Tokyo is just impossible. Yeah, it was just it? incredibly expensive. So like this corporate expat life. And then he actually, um, my, my parents actually moved back to Germany and then mm -hmm. moved to India later. Oh, and wow. I stayed behind uh, in Japan. So got an apartment in Nakano. Okay. If you've ever yeah, been, that's where Nakano. all the geek stores are. Yeah, Mandarake. you gotta go to Mandarake in Nakano. Yeah. That's where you get your two-third prices uh, uh, Famicom games. That's right. And I had already uh, met this wonderful woman and this girlfriend, and we moved in together, and of course we're married now for um, uh, this week, 20 years. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you, but we, we met before that, in, obviously in college, and uh, we moved in together and stayed there, and then did all these little jobs on the side to, um, to I, pay for it. I love that. I still yeah. haven't heard a thing about your photographic modeling, though. So then we did modeling stuff. Um, the, the reason for modeling was not to make money. It was to get a portfolio done with pictures that looked like a professional modeling portfolio, which would let you get into clubs for free. So when we're talking about like Juliana's Tokyo, like uh, what was it, like Java Jive, there were all these expensive clubs in Roppongi and Shibuya and Shinjuku, and they were, they were like 5,000 yen to get in. So like 50 bucks at the time. I mean, that's a lot of money for an yeah. entrance fee for a student. It's a lot of money now. So you would just take a couple of modeling pictures and then you would, um, yeah, you would be able to get into these places for free. And the main question is a simple one. It's the same one we ask every uh, episode until I decide to change it. And that's, yeah. tell me about somebody you're thankful for, apparently. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, the obvious answer, I have, I have a wonderful family now. And my wife is absolutely amazing yeah. and is... Uh, not a day goes by after 20 years of marriage that I don't just look at her and go, how did this happen? How, why, why is she with me? Yeah. Um, but no, the person I, I, I want to talk about is actually my dad. Your dad. Um, which is weird because when I was a, when I was a kid, I, I don't know how many times I said, I hate you to him. To your father. Really? Yeah, and I had a wonderful uh, relationship with my mother. My mo mother was very nurturing. She would, you know, get out the pencils and paintbrushes and we'd paint together. And, like, she'd get the whole, like, neighborhood involved. And she was, she was, you know, she was a, a housewife. She stayed at home. My, my dad was working. And so she just gave us a lot of attention. And, you know, she pushed us to learn instruments and, like, just be creative and all that. And I have a lot to be thankful there because she really gave me this foundation for the things that I ultimately would do. While my dad was very distant. Okay. And I, I actually dreaded him coming home. 
every day. Like he'd come home and he would be angry from something at work. You know, you could tell he was he was in a job that he was good at. Okay. And I don't know if he was passionate about it, but he, it pissed him off. Really? Like every day. He'd every come day home came mad. home angry. And so he'd come home and he just couldn't. We couldn't forge a connection like between him and me and my brothers. I have two older brothers. Like he wasn't able to be. He wasn't a nurturing dad. Okay. You know, he was a provider. Mm-hmm. He really cared about making sure that he earned money and he everybody had a good life. But he was not someone you wouldn't hug. Hmm. You know, he, he wasn't Did someone. Did you ever hug him? I mean, do you remember? Later. So, I mean, we'll get, we'll get to that. But, but um, a shop. we would, you know, like my friend's dad would be out in the field beyond, like behind our house was this big open field, you know, again, small r- rural town. Yeah. Um, he, they'd be playing soccer. And I'd go out there and I'd play soccer with my friend and his dad. And then other people from the neighborhood would come. And I'd go home and I'd be, go like, you know, Papa, you want to come and play soccer? And I knew the answer. Like he just wouldn't. He couldn't connect with the other fathers. He couldn't connect with the other kids. They would annoy him. And like he just wasn't the guy. Like we, he would never, we would never go and, and play soccer. So he, you say he wouldn't connect with the kids, but also not the other fathers. Was he no. kind of antisocial? Was that- he, 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 he was. He was someone who liked to tell stories. And he had, you know, a couple people liked to hang out with. But he was very, he, was, he wasn't the kind of guy to go out and have fun and let go. Really? I think he would always think about going back home. He really loved my mom and he wanted to kind of keep her and like he was very protective of her. If any other man just looked at her, he'd be like, all right, time to go. You know, really? like he was he was like that kind of person. So he was very, very conservative, very strict. He would yell very easily. And um, I mean, that was my 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 view as a kid. Right? Like, who knows? It's Rashomon, right? Like, maybe my mom has a different view. My dad has a different view. I love view, that but, reference. That's great. But uh, I'm a big Kurosawa fan. I yeah. named one of my kids Akira. So, yeah. obviously, um, not after the anime. No. And so I, I had this terrible, honestly, like this very adversarial relationship where I just didn't want to see him. Like if I heard his car coming, uh, heard him coming home, I heard the car, I'd be like shutting the door. You and know? is this formative? I mean, we're talking like seven, eight, nine at this point, or is this as a teenager? Or? We're talking uh, from, I mean, like even at a young age, he wasn't able connect, to connect. I had an Atari home computer. Yeah. He Good would. Man. He wouldn't ever play video games with me. He would once in a while, he'd like boot up Donkey Kong when he was, uh, you know, like on the weekend, he'd play it, but he would never collaborate. He would never, we would never do one and two player. Consecutive no no taking turns, no sitting or next never, to you and watching. Or never ask. Like he would just either do it on his own or he wouldn't do it at all. Did that make you feel like he didn't like you? It, like as a teenager, you have, uh, or, you know, like as a kid, you have all these emotions. And like, I, I don't think you would think it through that far. You just know that I don't have any connection with this guy. You know, like he only, he's only complaining, you know, and like the times, I remember the few times where we did something fun, where he'd like, you know, we'd go to, we'd go to the tank museum. This sounds funny, right? This sounds like the German. No, what, but going like to the tank we museum? went, there was a tank museum in Are Holland. You, I want to go and to the tank as museum. As a kid, it was, it was this giant field of basically like broken and restored tanks from World War II and like some old World War One stuff. It was amazing. Oh my and as a kid, I remember those moments because I remember the road trip with my dad and like how he was kind of, he was like kind of goofy and having fun. And like those moments though, I think were very far in, in between. So he was relaxed. What do you think it was about that trip? Very rarely. 
I, I think I, honestly, I think he he just he focused so much on his work life and had yeah. this kind of set goal of making sure that he would be able to provide for the future, for make sure his sons would become something. And I think all that kind of that playfulness and goofiness he couldn't relate to. Like he couldn't he couldn't relate to a kid talking bullshit. And I huh. see with my like my kids like once in a while I'm like. Oh. You know, like he, they, they will just quote YouTubers and I'm like, I can't relate to that, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm a dad who has four Xboxes and four PS4s in the house and only three switches. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a dad who plays video games yeah. and we do all these things and we go on, we, we take hikes and vacations together. And, and so I, I, I think I deliberately swing you, that you've, other you've way. Cha- you've changed some of the way that you were based on. No. And, and he, but he couldn't, he couldn't handle the goofiness and the, the kind of like the loudness of a kid. Uh, and, and kids are loud, man. And Ooh. he was, he was born in 1939. Yeah. And so he grew up in the, you know, he grew up at the, at the tail end of World War II. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he would tell stories that were fascinating of, you know, their house not having a roof. And, you know, his uncle, um, they would go into the forest to look for mushrooms so that they would have something to eat, right? Like all these kind of like the survival stories. And I think he just grew up in such an ad- adverse climate. Like it was it was survival and everything was serious. Yeah, I think we could go back to the, the house know? without a roof room. It had a bomb blown it off? Yes. Was that the, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so there were lots of, uh, around Cologne where he, where he lived, there were lots of factories. Okay. And so the city was um, leveled. If, you, if, if you've been to Gamescom, mm-hmm. uh, you can see uh, photos of Cologne and it was the giant cathedral at the center, the biggest gothic monument was the only thing standing. The entire city was leveled. Leveled around I mean, it. just imagine your city of a million inhabitants, every building flat. And so that was the... So that, they just go underground when the air raid sirens yeah, go off and come back up and there's no roof? That's and, what he was born into. He remembers the air raid sirens and having to hide. And so I think he has this background where you had to be serious and you had to be grown up very fast. And so I don't okay. think he knew how to play. Yeah. Oh, wow. And What um, was it about your mother? Hmm? What was it about your mother that made her the person he could connect to? What do you what What do you think that came from? It well, sounds like he he was able to open up to her in a way that he wasn't with anybody else. Well, first of all, I mean, my parents. Um, when you when you see old photos of them, them, my dad looked like James Dean. <laughs> my mom looked like Audrey Hepburn. They oh, were wow. very beautiful people. Yeah. So you have all these black and white photos and well you're you know, pretty hot i mean well, i no, definitely no, see where that comes thank from you. no they um they they're just and i think he was infatuated with her they actually met i think singing an opera together but my, yeah. my daughter can sing very well and has i think inherited my my mom's genes there but my dad okay. they, they play acted together in um antigone i think the play and he met her there oh and she's she, really much shorter than him and i think he just i think he felt protective but she she was also smoking you know? So your dad met your beautiful mother at a Greek opera. Mm-hmm. No, Greek play. Yeah, yeah Greek, that's amazing. Yeah. That's extraordinary. And so I think he was just, uh, I mean, he, he, he's very serious about providing and protecting and all that. And I think he, that, that's the role he took. And, um, you know, I mean, they're still married after all these years and, yeah. and living together. And so it, it worked. That so connection something worked. Clicked. So it started there and then mm-hmm. you, you used the word infatuation. Yeah. You know where the emotional connection came from? I, I, it's it's hard to tell. Have they ever talked you know, about right? it? I yeah, they. I mean, they 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 sh- they share, but uh, you know, I I, th- I think um, I think it was a, a different time, so I think it may be a little bit difficult me f- for me to understand what that what exactly sense. created that connection. But you and your father, no no emotional connection of tenderness or interaction. 
growing up. Were you angry with him immediately? Do you remember? Okay. You were always always. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was the, the quintessential drama of slamming, slamming your door and saying, you don't understand me and you know, worse things and just couldn't connect. And then, Maybe, maybe that, maybe that wasn't every day, but that, those are the memories you retain, you know, from your childhood, you, you remember the extremes. And so I remember the extremes where it was a wonderful day where like that one day he was being goofy. Tank museum. And then I remember the, all the other times that he was just very strict or very aloof or didn't care or, you know, like he came home and he would just tell me to pick up my shoes and put them away. And that was the only interaction we'd have for the day. There were the few moments where, you know, like he let me stay up and watch a Western movie, you know, yeah. like uh, watch like Rio Bravo late at night. And I remember those moments. And what he did do, though, and that goes now to the thankful part. He didn't he didn't let me be the aimless teenager. And he said he drove me to kind of pick a career choice. I, I think he, he sensed that I was rudderless. Did you, do you agree you were rudderless? Soup, absolutely. I, I mean, I was more, even like the final years in, in our high school, I was more focused on partying. Did not take studying seriously. And I honestly, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a dumb guy getting C's in classes, mm-hmm. right? And, and worse, like math, I'm absolutely horrible. Gotten, gotten F. Language is always A's and all that. So really good at languages, not, not much aptitude. Terrible at math. But honestly, not good at math because I just didn't care. Okay. And like academically, when I look back now, I'm like, yeah, I can ace this. Oh, yeah. I, I If I could go back in time and just, just grab all, all my... I had some good math teachers. I yeah. can't blame them. But if I could grab a few of them by the collar and just be like, just tell me this yeah. connects to physics or programming yeah. in some way at one point and I'll be good at math because yep. I had no clue until it was... So I got really lazy and I think that must have really frustrated my dad, right? Yeah. And um, he, what he did in the final years that we lived in Germany still, he said, uh, we're going to write internship applications for you. And he'd say, well, at first he said, you have to write internship applications. And this is the age before the internet. You couldn't look up job posting right. or anything, yeah, right? And so, and I didn't even know where to start. Yeah. And he goes, okay, Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, FAZ, big German newspaper. Der Spiegel, big news magazine, weekly. Now, did, in the, Hamburg. did the news interest come from you or him at this him. point? I I did not care about news. I did not care about, you know, I cared about writing and creative, like, you know, writing short stories and all that. And and I was good at it, I've been told. Um, So I like to write, but I I was not into, like, covering hard news. So do you think he was, like, pair likes writing, so this is the closest thing I can point him to? Do you think think that's where he picked it up? And I think he had aspirations to be a journalist. I think when he, like, he, that was where he wanted to go, and he always wanted to write. And so I think he was projecting at that point. And I think he was getting frustrated that um, I was aimless. And then he saw this, oh, I'm going to move to Japan. My, the other two sons are already studying uh, law and architecture, you know, like big, I mean, just high performance academics, right? Yeah. And my, my youngest son doesn't know what to do. And so he basically, like he powered through and he, he said, write these applications and I wouldn't. And then he's like, okay, let's sit down now. We're going to write these on a typewriter. Let's write these applications. So wait, this is your father who won't normally do things with you. Yeah. Now he's sitting down yeah. at a typewriter uh-huh. with you. To, how did you react to that? 
Well, it was it was an inconvenience, man. It was no, I mean it was a it was a bother. It was I didn't you know like I didn't want to think about it. I was smoking like a ch- I was smoking Lucky Strikes without filters at the time. Mm-hmm. I like I was not thinking about myself or my future, and um, I just wanted to let it run and just kind of go and see what happens. And was- at the same time, I had this awful dread of what could happen if I didn't figure out what to do. Was there any cats in the cradleness to it? I mean, were you just like, this is too late, man? Why are you reaching no. out now? No, no okay. it was more like, yeah, whatever, man. You wow. know, it's like typical, like it's like Bart Simpson, you know, uh, whatever, fine. And then uh, I love the idea it. of you as Bart Simpson. Yeah, and we write, <laughs> I was Bart. Um, I had a skateboard too. And so I, I um, yeah, no, I wrote these applications yeah. and then I'd send them everywhere. And back in those days, you would actually get letters back. Yeah. So physical letters sent to all these great German TV stations and newspapers and all of them would come back saying, unfortunately, we don't have an opening for an internship right now. Um, And a lot of internships at the time were free. That's not legal uh, the same way. uh, Maybe it wasn't even legal then, but it's not legal today, (laughs) right? Like free internships are not what you think they are. They have to be programs done with schools. An intern can't contribute to a product. So if you go and work as an intern for a newspaper, you you could carry coffees, but if you write an article, it's already done, right? Yeah. Like you can't contribute to the product. But there wasn't anything. Like I kept on getting back these things, and I think he pulled some strings. Okay. Because I th- I got a letter back from Spiegel TV, Der Spiegel news magazine, the documentary program um, uh, division. Mm-hmm. They would do documentaries, like they did one uh, while I was there on uh, on Ebola. For example, they did one on an Indian doctor who was this philanthropist. They did one when the first, uh, it was a collection of World War II II footage in color. And so Spiegel TV was like the first one to do this big documentary of World War II in color. That was when I was there. And so they wrote me back and said, okay, Hamburg. You gotta pay for it and do, you know, like no no money and everything. You gotta figure it out. This to this date. And I, I think he pulled strings. Okay. So I think somebody he, he knew. I think he knew someone somewhere and it went through. Maybe Have not. you ever asked him? No. no. I don't want to know. Um, you don't know why not? You don't no, want to no, know? I don't want to know. Okay. Uh, I mean, if, why if, not? if he did, um, thank you. But if he did, great. You know, it means that the hard work that we did together ap- applying to okay. all these places worked, off, worked out. And like, he was very... He, I mean, he basically ghost wrote my application and everything. Yeah. He like really directed me on that stuff. And so then he, ha- he said, okay, I'm paying, I'm paying you a little bit of money for an apartment there. Okay. And, uh, you know, I will drive you to Hamburg. Uh-huh. All of that stuff. Like he, he helped with all of that. How'd you feel about all this? Um, I was, I mean, I was really excited about it. I was scared too. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, uh, so, so this was after, um, by the way, this was after the, the, uh, the Japan stint too, right? Yeah. So I, I, I went back to Germany okay. for, for, uh, so, for okay. Japan. I was sorry. Yeah, so this yeah, happened. So, you're, yeah, you're yeah. in Germany, yeah. you go to Japan, you come back, you feel listless. Yeah. Yeah. So and then he does this. So yep. inner seeds, you have yep, your degree yep. at this point. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, sorry, I didn't realize. No, that. no, everything, everything, uh, it's been a long time. Everything, right. you know, the, and, and my girlfriend was with me then we actually moved together from Japan. So you come Germany. back to Germany. So, it's yeah. like, I'm smoking lucky strikes. I'm hanging out with my girlfriend. Uh-huh. I don't really have, I finished college. I don't really know what I want to do now. And that's when he's pushed. Yep. 
Yeah, and I started. So I started to smoke huh. when I was like 15, by the okay. way. So you know, I stopped for a while, started again. I was really good at quitting multiple times, <laughs> and then you know, I, I again, like I, uh, I, I started again um, and was smoking a lot. And like after college, I wasn't quite as rudderless as when I was uh, was a teenager. Uh, and you know, like he he kind of drove me into that that college in Japan too. Yeah. Um, and then I, I wasn't quite as rudderless. I was like, yeah, I want to do something with writing after learning all this and having uh, more of a worldview. And then then he helped me with this internship, and uh, um, and I, I I did that. I lived in Hamburg in the tiniest apartment. We couldn't afford anything. Like you could you'd go to like the Hamburg fish market and you'd look at like this bread with shrimps on it and you're like oh man I would love some it's bread just with too much we can't <laughs> afford this um so you had to get the bread without the shrimp i did that yeah exactly and then uh you know my, my wife helped me there she actually studied uh, german at the time too you know we lived in hamburg for a while for this internship we but did, your dad actually I did funded another their startup yeah like you're you're you he built the foundation there yeah you built the foundation he was just he was just super pushy you know he, yeah. he could he realized that I, I needed that extra kick and then something clicked when I did that internship at um, Spiegel. Um, first of all, everybody loved me there because I was the only computer literate guy in ah, this newsroom. Okay. And I started so that, organizing that, that stuff. That computer pays off like, right there. And I was, uh, <laughs> I'd done some programming too. And so I was like, wow, you guys haven't even organized your contact database for all these, um, all these uh, newspaper critics and uh, TV stations. And so they're like, oh yeah, call all these guys and get them to write about our, uh, our episode of this documentary so that they write a little like critique or like, hey, watch this show. And so yeah. I'd say like, well, how, how do you even organize yourself? Let me build this database of contacts. And yeah. I did that. And they're like, whoa, how, I do, uh, how did Sorcery. you do that, right? Yeah. And then they'd say, okay, why don't you start, why don't you help logging a documentary? And so I helped logging footage, writing down time code, and yeah. saying like you know Ebola monkey spitting up blood and like <laughs> writing all this stuff, um, and they they just loved the precision. They loved. I was very fast at it. They would get stuff. Oh hey, there's some. Uh, this is in English. Can you help? I'm like sure. I'll translate it all. So, so I did all that. Had you were you used to being good at things that other people gave you kudos for? Had that happened before? Yeah. So I, I was always, um, I, I, was, I was a jack of all trades. I was able to quickly understand tech, technology related yeah. stuff. So computers, all that, you know, music. I started writing songs when I was a teenager yeah. and all that. Like anything I tackle, I kind of half ass it, but I'd have a knack for it. Yeah. And I never, but I never saw it through. I never pursued it. Mm -hmm. You know, same with languages. Like I could have learned Spanish and more languages, but I just didn't have the drive. It's but, like if the school didn't tell you to do it, I'd be like, fine. But this you were yeah. pursuing. This you found. Yeah. And then at the, in this internship, I kind of realized I'm like, man, this stuff could be fun. And I was, by the way, I was at the time I was terrified to pick up a phone and cold call somebody. I oh, really? really did not like that. I was like the quintessential young male who would not ask for directions when lost. Oh, okay. Right. Oh. Like I never, and like they, um, I, I, so I, was that human interface? I just, I just didn't like, I, I was a good I was a good kind of moderator, very social. If I went to a party, I'd instantly get people around me mm -hmm. and be an entertainer and be goofy and all that. But like calling somebody on the phone and asking them for something, like mm -hmm. write up something about this thing we're working on, did not like doing it. Okay. And it forced me to do that. Okay. Right? 
And so um, it kind of set me on this course. I then, you know, I, I uh, already I had already applied for uh, grad school journalism at UC Berkeley. Yeah. So you know, in Germany, plans to go to the United States. The BA, the the um, uh, the uh, uh, my my degree, my college degree, didn't really work in Germany. Very different systems, right? I would have had to take classes over. Yeah. And so um, it worked though with the United uh, with the US one. Right. And then kind of was set on a course to pursue that. And and, then, and this yeah. was all your dad sitting at a typewriter pounding out your your applications yeah. no and and that that was ultimately like in hindsight i just realized you know not only did with his move to japan and encouragement to go to college and so what if you leave all your friends behind that encouragement set me on a course to go to japan where i got a perspective on things I rediscovered the joys of video games. I completely ignored video games for many years. My wife and a friend gave me a Super Famicom for my birthday. Huh. Sucked me back into games. I'm like, Nintendo is awesome. Did I'd she ever like, regret that decision? No. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure for a while when I was doing all-nighters playing Final Fantasy IV, she was like, honey, you know. Yeah. But um, no, no. Like in hindsight, obviously not. You know, I was ever uh, well, able to. The whole video game kind of worth thing worked out pretty well thing. for you. I think. But I also got exposed to all these media companies in Japan. I did yeah. translation work. I trans subtitled uh, Tom Petty and Bob Dylan for MTV because nobody could understand what they they were saying. Neither could I. I made it up. Oh, um, you did. My wife and I had such a hard time. We're like, what did Tom Petty say? <laughs> you were like, what? What is he saying? We're like, I like a sandwich, you know, and you'd be fine and with it. it. Who will like ever you know? You look the lyrics up on the internet. No, but, but, but yeah, we, got, we got Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, like the toughest cookies. Yeah. No, thank you very much. Uh, but Bob Dylan, like, to this day, I don't know what he said. But it, set, it exposed me to all these things. So, But he exposed me to Japan. He exposed me to those media companies. Yeah. But I met my wife in Japan. Yeah. The ultimate love of my life set yeah. me on this course. Have wonderful kids. Wouldn't have happened without my dad. Huh. So the hug. Yeah. When did that come along? Well, that happened, you know, like when I was in Japan, it already clicked. I'm mm. like, I would walk through the streets of Tokyo and go, it's so different. This it's like the it's like the Wizard of Oz moment where you are you realize you're not in Kansas anymore. And like everything was so different. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. I walked around and I saw these old temples next to the most modern skyscrapers. I went to in Kyoto and went to this temple called Kyomizudera. Mm -hmm. And there are three springs and you have to pick which one to drink from. One gives you wisdom. One gives you beauty, I think, and one gives you health. I thought you were going to say power and courage for I'm a not second. Gonna, I got really excited. Yeah, Triforce. Uh, you have to pick one. I'm not telling yeah. you which one I picked. Oh, yeah. Um, tell me. I, was about to I didn't pick beauty because I was already now. Oh, no, so go. I picked, you, you take one, you drink from it, yeah. and then it's this ancient temple, and you put it back, this, this wooden spoon, put it back, and this infrared beam sterilizes it. And you're like, this country is freaking awesome. <laughs> And like when I when I was exposed to all this this crazy technology next to this uh, absolutely exotic ancient culture, I'm like, I I realized I had to thank this man for it. Yeah. You know, like he exposed me to this. He dragged me there. He believed in being in that country enough to say you have to go there, and you have to come there. And from that moment, I think our relationship really changed. He was still super strict. Yeah. When my then girlfriend, we're talking about a twenty year old. Living in Tokyo, you know, still rooming with my parents in my own room, basement and all that. Um, my then girlfriend missed her train home 
we were too scared for her to sleep in my room because my dad was so strict. Mm -hmm. You know, scared that that would. Yeah, no, he was he was so conservative. Um, you know, we're already having sex then, so it's not like he was yeah. preventing anything. Right, but, but it's but, the, uh, it's but it's like, but he was it's such that a classic trope. But the father's like, nope, not not no, not, not, un, not under my roof. He would have been, you know, he was like that. My mom was not like, under totally my fine, just you know, yeah. sneak her in. And um, <laughs> did you sneak her in? No, but like our relationship at this, yeah, our relationship um, at that point changed. Hmm. And now, you know, when I when I visit him, and uh, he is. He is the dad with my kids now that he was not. Oh, that's interesting. He discovered that connection. He's goofy with the kids. You know, what, do you, still... what do you think happened? Is it because he doesn't have to provide for them? Is it because the work a provision is over? Or well, I think he had, I think he had the same existential dread I had a teenager, but amplified because he was worried about his kids. Mm-hmm. So he looked at his three kids, he looked at his wife, and he said, my job is to make sure um, there's a happy ending for everyone. Hmm. And I think he just kind of gave up a lot to make that happen, including the relationships and the harmony. And, the, you know, he didn't, he didn't stop to think that there was this other part to relationships, that it wasn't just planning for the future and squirrel, squirreling away the nuts in the tree, you know? You know, your, your story is speaking very personally to me right now without being dramatic hmm. um i've had to reevaluate the way i think about provision yeah uh direction a lot of the things that are, are a lot of priorities in life uh over the last few years and more and more i've been thinking i, I may have made an overcorrection. yeah uh in the some of those changes what you're saying here is a good thing for me to be hearing right now i appreciate mm, that's it good. that's that's nice to hear man yeah uh, i and i'm glad at the same time that your father found that and that it's also really speaks pretty highly of you that you're that you're able to a lifetime's worth of anger is not an easy thing to lay aside no no for sure when my daughter was born first kid yeah 2001 the year we made contact but fine motion picture Yes, but that was the year she was born. Actually, wait, 2010 is the year we made contact. Oh, 2001 is the original Space Odyssey. That's right. 2010 is the year we made contact. Whatever, we made contact in 2001 and we touched that monolith and it was was up there in space, a star child. Yeah, that's right. Um, 2010, not actually as good as So, anyway, we made contact with uh, our daughter. So, when she was born, we surprised my dad by booking a secret trip to go to Germany for his birthday. And we had told him, kids too young, we can't travel yet, all of that stuff. And uh, we told my, my mom, and uh, so we just showed up while he was watching soccer. <laughs> He's sitting, so kids, his son and daughter-in-law, he, law, he loves my, my wife. Um, we live in San Francisco, and he lives in the middle of Germany, and he's watching soccer. And the door opens, and we walk in with the baby. So he had seen photos of the baby. Ah. The uh, <laughs> he, I mean, he just like he lost it. It yeah. was uh, such a wonderful did, moment. Did you lose it? Oh yeah, yeah. We like we we have it on videotape somewhere, and it's just like he he just looked. He stared at us. He couldn't believe it. He didn't like his mind wasn't working. He's like, yeah. what? Yeah. How is this possible? You know, we talk on the phone on the weekends. And so we're there and he's like, oh, my God. Uh, and my mom is just fawning over the baby. And, you know, um, and we had this wonderful time. And it just like that moment, I feel like the connection he forged with my daughter uh, and with my wife. And it, ever since then, it's just been very uh, harmonious. And like I'm my daughter is going to fly over there to just hang out oh, wow. with my grandparents um, this summer again. Whenever she goes. 
they pamper her. We get photos of them going, there's like a summer sled track. It's oh. like a bobsled track yep. with like polished metal tubes. Yep. And like I'll get pictures of my, you know, my 77-year-old dad with like the kids on it. Because the like, concrete luge, that's not dangerous, right? No, it, it, it's, <laughs> I, dude, it's so dangerous. I'm very worried, but it's amazing. Yeah. But, but all these things that he would never have done as a young man with his kids, he's now doing with the grandparents. Like, you, like it's, you know... He he, he goes to Disneyland. He takes him everywhere. He goes ice cream. He's like, do you know spaghetti ice cream? Spaghetti ice cream here. It looks like spaghetti. It's not spaghetti. You know, like all these things. And so, of course, the kids always want to go. Have you forgiven him then? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, holy. No, he's just been... Um, He's just been very genuine. He can still be a pain in the ass. You well, know, like yeah. he is the guy, like if you mention something to him and you say, oh, next week I'm going to chop down that tree. He will become the biggest pain in your ass until you've chopped down that tree. Like, he, like it's like target acquired. Like it becomes his mission, but that's his that's his personality, okay. right? The moment you do it, and so he still does that. But you know, he's 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 he is so giving. He you know, like he like if you go to a restaurant, he'll always try to pay for you and yeah. all that. And uh, so in in turn, we've made a point out of um, giving back. And so, um, you know, we invited my my parents um, to a getaway to Lake Tahoe, for example. Yeah. And, you know, we climbed up a volcano with them. And, like, I don't know if that was such a good thing because it was really hard. But we're on top of this volcano and you could see just my parents, how happy they were. Oh, wow. We took them to Hawaii for the first time. You know, so, like, every couple of years we've just done this thing. We said, hey, it's your your 50th wedding anniversary. We're going to go to Hawaii. I'm so glad. Yeah. You know, John... John Updike has made a career uh, on on the fact that father-son stories often don't end well. Yeah. I'm really happy this one does. I, I really am because father-son relationships are can be extraordinarily difficult and often they end uh, in terrible or tragic or unfulfilled ways. I'm thrilled to hear that this one has turned out so well for everyone involved. I am, and you know, I mean, you're putting your finger on something. My wife's relationship with her father, who is now deceased, was did not work out well. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a uh, something I could not imagine uh, where she wouldn't want to see him. She didn't want to talk to him. And, uh, you know, even though he was instrumental in getting her to go to Japan and so set her on this course to actually meet me, right? All these little, this butterfly effect of yeah. being in the right place at the right, right time. And she had this bad, she has a great relationship with her mom, really bad relationship with her father. And like, now I can't imagine it. And I kind of forget how it was when I was a kid, yeah. how I had... I felt like I had zero connection with my dad, you know, and, and all the connection with my mom. And now it's, it's just, I love seeing them and, you know, my kids love them. And it's, it's a good just, reminder that sometimes, happy sometimes impossible changes happen. Yeah. Like unthinkable change can occur. It yeah. doesn't always. Yeah. Sometimes exactly the horrible thing you expect is what happens, but sometimes unthinkable change occurs. Yeah. That's, that's pretty great. And you I, think about like whether you could have done more, right? Like right. as a teenager, like I was probably not a nice kid, right? Like I was not, I was not what he wanted. You know, the, mm -hmm. like I was not this academic, you know, like I, I was not 
acing everything and he had to constantly push me to do things and you know smoking and like drinking beer and all that yeah it, my mental image could, of you at this point is like you've got a pack of cigarettes under each sleeve yeah. like i didn't uh, i didn't do hard drugs or anything so it wasn't it was or, <laughs> or get arrested or anything yeah. like that so not quite that way but i did i did have the white t-shirt with a rolled up um, oh, lucky strikes pack go. yeah That's i love james dean um and uh yeah, I, I I wonder like maybe I could have connected, but honestly, I think we just didn't have anything in, in common. Oh, that's you know? amazing. So hey, thank you for that story. Oh, you're welcome. That's that's a good one. I, I think it's a good good place to, to to kind of take the hard left turn to the rest of the show yeah. where we, we do instant noodles. If you enjoyed this story or the other stories in pockets full of soup, uh, please subscribe on YouTube or follow us uh, on iTunes or other places. Join our Facebook group. Pockets full of soup Facebook group is free. And uh, if you're feeling especially generous this month, uh, our Patreon can always use your help. That's patreon.com slash Jared Petty, which keeps us on the air. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I unabashedly uh, don't mind begging. And uh, if you uh, if you want to support this, I'd really appreciate it. I also want to especially thank Nick Rie and Robert Nieder, our, uh, uh, who are our Patreon producers, whose generous support really does just keep us going month after month. It's extraordinary. And so many others of you that support in so many ways. We've had a lot of fun in the Hangouts lately. Some of our members go to those. We're, uh, next month, we're going to uh, we're gonna play Jackbox uh, together. Uh, for the first time in the Facebook group, I'm excited nice. about that. That'll be fun. You ever you ever fool with those the the Jackbox games? No, oh, I've seen I've yeah, seen them. Yeah. Yeah. I play a lot stuff. of board games, but yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. yeah, guys, thank you for everything, men and women alike. I appreciate your sponsorship and assistance. Um, folks want to find you. They're going to find you at uh, ye old. It's it's not the Imagine Games Network. It's uh, it's, uh, it's just IGN. I've heard you can't spell ignorant without it. But, so you uh, can't. You can also not do malignant. Yeah. Or, uh, you can't do Dane or uh, Ignatius rocks. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There, there, there a lot of words that have I G N in it. And if you IGN. misspell the I N G ending, I mean, literally. Yeah. Can you explain that to people for a second that don't what? know the story? Why it's just I G N? Well, I mean, the the original, the company that created uh, I G N, Imagine Media. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like Imagine Publishing or something back in the day. So it was the Imagine Games Network all of their magazines together basically like their you know next generation online ultra game players online n64.com which was an online magazine only all that together was the imagine games network and that was an ad network and you know of course that name became it was abbreviated ign that became the name of the website once we merged all those different websites into one right but we spun out you know, many, many years ago, IGN spun out as a standalone company. I was a co-founder of it in, in 1999. Yeah. We went public and all of that. And uh, you went private again and survived the dot-com bust. But some of our other properties did not. And that's why it's so important to support what you love. And I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy services like Patreon exist. They, they, keep, because they keep it going. Because <laughs> if you don't nurture, give great feedback, or pay for the things that you love, they will go away. So cutting away now to instant noodles. We usually open with this one. Uh, this was uh, originally from our Facebook group. What is best sandwich? What is best sandwich? Yes. yes, I have a question. What is best sandwich? What is best sandwich? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a lightning oh. round version here. What do you got? I'm gonna. Everybody's gonna be horrified. All right. It's liverwurst. Liverwurst. No, that's. A, do not be horrified. Liverwurst is great. You, you don't know. You don't know the pain. I was in when I first moved to California mm. and uh, and was looking for the perfect sausage. Okay. Right? And that included liverwurst. Like, Germany has amazing meats. Yes. 
with amazing meats. Um, no, like the butcher shops, uh, charcuteries, they, they're just amazing. And so I moved to California. That culture didn't exist here. Probably exists on the East Coast much more. But not like an Wisconsin. amazing meat culture here. Not, not Couldn't that. find liverwurst that didn't taste like licking iron. Like okay. really irony. Do you like, feel like the sausage just poorly recipied here like there's just not well Californians it, go, like smoked the crack of thinking apples and chicken belong in every sausage for oh, a while okay. everything was chicken apple sausage or like yeah. Ooh, apricots it's like no pork majorum you know spices and the casing is made from intestines okay sounds gross it's good gotta get it right yeah and so you know just a Nuremberg or a bratwurst I had a hard time finding it I created an excel spreadsheet I ordered sausages from everywhere <laughs> I got amazing sausages sausages from Wisconsin. I discovered a butcher in L.A. Okay. Uh, You've in, told in me about Torrance. this. Yeah. And I, we still drive to L.A. to fill up the trunk and coolers and freezers with sausages and bring them back here because they don't ship. You want to throw a little love toward this place? Yeah, it's called Alpine Village. It's a butcher at Alpine Village Market in, in Torrance, California, south of L.A., the, the you can eat there, but it's not the restaurant is not that great. It's the actual the sausages and the cold cuts and everything, mm-hmm. and they make the most amazing liverwurst, and that's the kind of stuff I'm into. So the liverwurst sandwich. What what bread do you want your liverwurst on? It doesn't matter. Like I mean, the again the, another sore spot here. Bread in California. They, it's it's baguette and white bread. Mm-hmm. Now it's getting better again, but like a nice like crusty rye bread or okay, something. Okay, so a nice something. crusty rye. Do you eat anything but meat and bread on the sandwich? Butter. Butter. Yeah, okay, so gotta have some good butter. Are you familiar with the southeastern phenomenon in America of liver mush? Uh, was that what is it? Liver no. mush is just what it sounds like mm-hmm. a combination of liver spices and mush turned into a sort of a, a pate hmm. um, and then fried. That sounds really good. So uh, in Germany, we have something in my area, we have something called panas, okay, which sounds harmless, but it's actually. Uh, it's actually fried blood sausage. Oh! So I'm... blood sausage is made from blood. Yeah. It's curdled blood with mm-hmm. little white specks in it. Mm-hmm. And they fry it up. And then, uh, you know, in Cologne, it's like, it's called uh, Himmel und Ed. It's heaven and earth. And it's like, uh, what is it? It's, it's like apple uh, apple compote and fried blood sausage. Oh, man. That sounds good. You like it? Yeah, it's so good. It's yeah, really good. But right. it's I know it sounds disgusting to Don't most humans. Don't you try it. It's whatever you grow up with. My mom used to make sour kidneys. And oh. that was good. I like kidney. I like liver. I like things wow. like that. Yeah. That's, that's, don't, don't, don't need awful people. Give me You're protein. So awful. Give me some protein. Yeah. Give it to me. The yeah. flesh of the dead creature. Feed it unto me. That's just I want to eat it. Jared, Jared, what are you doing? What's what? going on? Flesh? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, dead creature yeah. flesh is good stuff, man. So a follow-up from, uh, from Damien. Uh, he wants to know, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. yeah. A hot dog is a sandwich. Uh, yeah. Does it count as a sandwich? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people here in this country have started to call hot dogs um, just the sausage sometimes. Yeah. But um, that's obviously incorrect. You thought it's the no. whole thing. A hot dog bun. is the sandwich, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, somebody wants to know what your favorite, yeah, I think this is probably, you know, this is Nate, and he wants to know what your favorite beer is. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Oh, God. I drink so many different beers. How do you stay so pretty? I'm not. I'm not. I'm a lot fatter than I've ever been. And now I'm even fatter. I could, I could fit two of you in. No, I like. I need to lose a lot of weight. Like, my, my face used to be skinny. Also, that's going to be a meme. Um, um, so, my, my, I, I grew So, I lived. Um, I was born uh, in a small town uh, close between two big cities, Düsseldorf and Cologne. Yeah. Düsseldorf is famous for Alt beer. That's a dark beer. And, okay. like, I really loved kind of Diebel's Alt. Cologne is famous for Kirsch. 
You can only uh, brew it if your brewery has a direct line of sight of the cathedral in Cologne. That's so if you rule. get Kirch beer in the United States, it has to be Kirch style. It can't be Kirch. Wait, so if there's a tree, it doesn't count? Well, you can get on the roof and see it still. Okay. And that All cathedral right. is very big okay. if you haven't seen it. But it's still. It's humongous. All right. So I grew up between these two. Funny thing is people from Dusseldorf hate Kirch. People from Cologne hate Art. So there, it's like this, it's this soccer rivalry taken oh, to beer. That. And I was in between in the Grenzland and liked them both. Okay. And so I, I love a good coach like a Mühlen coach. Uh -huh. It's a summer beer. It's, you know, 5%. It's not super heavy. But I also like saisons. I like sours now. Okay. I like I love that some of the old beers are coming back. Mm -hmm. For a while, Germany, Germany's very strict, right? They have the um, they have the law that only certain ingredients are allowed in beer. I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah. That's uh, 1400 something. I don't know. Reinheitsgebot. Look it up. And uh, that actually killed some of the old kind of medieval brews, really? like your, your Goza, which is a sour beer. Was this to... The Belgians have always done them. Where did the law come from? Was it just to protect the distinctiveness of German, German purity beer? law. Yeah. And I, do you know what? I, I haven't actually read up on, on why it happened. I'm assuming it... I mean, a lot of beers come from the monasteries, and they just decided to keep to the, for this kind of national pride of brewing beer. It's a beer country. You only allow certain things. But then they took it to the extreme, being Germans, right? They said, <laughs> you can't put anything else in it. And then, well, what about Hefeweizen? Has, uh, you know, it's like uh, wheat beers. Okay, wheat is fine. You know, it's, it's almost like a Monty Python skit. No, it does. But it, but really it does. killed, you know, it almost killed some of the other beers. Like there's like Schwarz beer, which is like, you know, they have like smoky beers and all yeah. that. And I think some of those were at risk. Did some breweries like move over the border to Belgium? For no, I, I think they, but they did stop making things like Goza. Wow. Um, and uh, well, I, I don't know if it's directly related to the purity law. Like I think yeah. it, it just fell out of style too. Some of them, and you could brew them. You just couldn't call them beer. What it's like you? malt liquor. You oh, know? weird. Okay, yeah, so you can make yeah. it. You just can't call it yeah. beer. I'm so obsessed. Just so you know, I have matching glasses for the different beers. So I have, you know, I have the, you know, the chalice types for the saison. I have, uh, I have pilsners. I have the wheat glasses the tall ones i have the coach is a stange that doesn't have a handle if i have like a like you know if i drink a sapporo it has a little sapporo star in the oh, glass that, too like i, I, I start, have gotta, oh. it's it's a weird german thing Where do you, you mentioned japanese beer right i uh, you know you're from you're from what's arguably the world's greatest beer nation yeah. uh what, what were your thoughts on japanese beer so they uh the japanese actually took a lot of knowledge um in in a lot of industries from germany yeah you know whether it's uh you know from law duplicating you know uh, laws or um industry but also hokkaido like the northern uh, you know part of japan took a lot from germany when it came to beer brewing yeah and so the unfortunate fact, Americans, if you're drinking Sapporo and Asahi and Kirin, you're not drinking Japanese beers. You're drinking Anheuser-Busch. You're drinking locally brewed beers, either from here or from, was it, Molson, uh, uh, Canada. So you get some are from Canada, some are from L.A. Mm -hmm. That's not what they taste like originally. Not get, the same. No, yeah. it's close. It, 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 it's close enough that I enjoy it, but it's not the same. So it's... It, but it's far enough that when I had one, I said, this tastes different after yeah. four years in Japan. And I looked at the back and it, it, some of them say imported, but it's imported from Canada. Yeah. And so uh, the beers in Japan, they have many different labels. You mm -hmm. know, the, you see the, the Kudo, the black label here. Right. But there are many more. They make so many yeah. different ones. And just uh, some of the micro brews like Hitachi no came up. You know, they yeah. uh, did um, Koshi Hikari is, uh, is rice. Uh -huh. Right. They make a, a rice beer. Mm. And they, they do have rice in 
some of the macro brews too. Yeah. And it's just, it's different, but it's crisp. And, it, and Japan gets hot, man. The yeah, summer is hot. Oh, oh. Those crisp beers. Yeah, fantastic. So and Japan ices your glass, man. They Very know good. how to give Frost you a nice cold And you can. get a big old bottle and a teeny tiny glass. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> when, you, when you're with somebody, you're supposed to constantly fill their beer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it speaks to my heart. Cologne, Cologne's beer culture is if you order a coach, and you finish it, they put a new coach there. And they're yeah. smaller, 0.2 glasses. Yeah. But they constantly give you new ones until you put like a coaster on top Just and be like, say stop. stop here. I didn't know that. That's and in great. Japan, they'll keep on pouring your glass oh, yeah, too. I... And... All right. Uh, another kind of a hard turn here. What's the, uh, what's the most terrifying creature in the natural world? The most what? Terrifying Terrifying creature, creature in, in the, the natural, natural world. world. Yeah. Well, it is from Australia for sure. Okay. Right. Everything terrifying comes from uh, Australia. We, we've that's actually a com- we had Panda on the show to talk about that one day. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. I mean, we invented a spider shark. No, I mean, look, I think in, it's it's the it's the great white shark for sure. Oh, the great white. The great white is the most terrifying creature, and there there is that little Amazon fish that drills itself into genitals, and the little worms with the teeth that aren't <laughs> supposed to all like the amoeba with the six little bear legs and all that. There are some truly horrifying creatures in this world that are just disgusting, or like those those tapeworms and things great white shark you just look at that face and like this just there's nothing that can redeem it like it's just not like the eyes it's just black holes there's yeah. no it looks it looks like it knows what it's doing but you can't <laughs> reason with it you can't talk to it and it's powerful and it's huge and it's got these nasty teeth and one falls out and another one takes its place it's just this nasty improbable creature feels, and i think they're so fascinating yeah yeah but it feels monstrous in a way. i was as a kid i was traumatized after watching jaws there were two movies that really freaked me out the birds alfred hitchcock probably not that scary anymore nowadays but i was too scared to like take off my shirt when putting on my pjs because i was like the birds are there birds are there like just looking away for a second jaws was the same i whenever i was swimming in a lake rationally knowing there can't be a saltwater shark in this lake I was still scared. I always imagined that, like that giant creature underneath. Okay, I have to ask you Ooh. something. You, you're, the two movies that terrified you as a child were The Birds and Jaws. Yeah. You live in the North Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Off. I live uh, very close to the Great White Breeding Grounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. where they film the birds. And the birds. I've been yeah. to the place. Yeah. yeah. You, you live where they film the birds, and you live in one of the greatest Great White Breeding Grounds in the whole world. Yes, yeah. You go to uh, yeah, you go to the the, the lighthouse. Is up this here. A, some kind of like 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 far out masochism? No. So I mean, I don't I don't find them terrifying <laughs> anymore. I, I I snorkel and dive and oh, all do you? that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love it, and I'm not that scared. My wife is deathly afraid of of, of fish, um, but I'm I'm not anymore. I've been able to get over that, and I I love movies, man. I've done all the tours. I've driven to the town uh, up uh, here at Bottega, uh, Bottega Bay, right, yeah. where they um, they filmed the birds, and you can uh, see the spot where the diner was and all that. And there are a lot of birds up here, man. Yeah, there are. Yeah, oh, it's just awesome. It's great if you're ever in California, Northern California. Lots to see here, but also don't forget all the films that were yeah. made. Yeah. Oh, here. so many movies yeah. made in this area. American Graffiti here in San Rafael too. Exactly. Not yeah. far away at all. Uh, a lot of Hitchcock stuff. Luke 
vertigo birds. You go into the Muir Woods area or any of the redwoods, you can see Endor. Yeah. Right? It's kind of fantastic. It's it's a great area for film. I love movies, too. You and I talked remarkably little about movies when we worked together, which is odd because I think we both... Both love them. Well, I probably I was scared that um, you would tell me everything about movies. No, I'm not. I'm and not I wouldn't be able buff. to get back to work. Them. No, I, I did keep you from working a lot. We <laughs> both Jer- got in fairly early. We, we talked a lot. Jer- and, and, and Jared Jared is a very detail oriented man. It can be distracting. And uh, yeah, no, no, it, it, it was awesome. My and favorite like, was I don't when know when we wander- talked a lot about movies. I mean, yeah, we never talked much about. It. You would wander over and be like, "So, what do you think about that?" Or I would yeah, say, yeah. your desk and say, "What do you think about that?" Yeah, and yeah, I know. But I think more than anything, we should do Nintendo stuff. That was yeah. Cool. Well, we talked about time. games a lot, but yeah. I mean, my favorite director of all time time is Kurosawa. Oh, okay. right. Like yeah. Seven Samurai is just the best movie. It's like kind of every perfect. face in that movie is there for a reason. Every shot is done for a reason. Rashomon has the best rain you've ever seen in cinematic history. <laughs> you know, like Ron has the craziest yeah. colors you've ever seen. I was seen. gonna ask you about Ron, like where yeah. you fall on Ron. I, I, I like I like him. I, I like most of the movies. I think the later like Maradayo, like they're they're not as strong, yeah. but all of his films are very good. I feel like Ron practically punches you in the face with color. Yeah. I, and I love no. that about it. It's just and like we have color folks. Let's do some color. I've like, always yeah, I've always wanted to do a, a video a documentary on like the Kurosawa movies and the movies they inspired. Yeah. Obviously, like Yojimbo and like Seven Samurai was remade as Magnificent Seven. We have uh, uh, we have you know Clint Eastwood stuff. It, is, um, it inspired everything. Yeah, I, yeah and, and, and I mean, A Bug's Life is Seven Samurai, right? <laughs> and but also like High and Low, amazing movie nobody's ever seen is Payback with uh, I think it's called Payback with Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson mm-hmm. right? Like yep. or, or uh, yeah, one uh, maybe which is a, a remarkably good movie. Wait, is is it payback? That's the one with Lucy Liu, huh? Yeah, Lucy no, no, Liu I and mean, Mel Gibson. Is no, it's payback, another yeah. one. It's like where his um, his. Are oh, you talking about High and Low? What High and Low? Yeah, becomes? High and Low got oh, okay. remade as another Mel Gibson movie. It's a kidnapping story. I forget what it was called. Payback there's, was awesome. There's too. Ransom. Yeah. Is that the one you're thinking? Ransom. Yeah, Ransom. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Ransom and then Rashomon got remade like there's a Paul Newman version of Rashomon. Yeah. You know, yeah, the guy the guy's influential yeah. and then okay, just touches so many things that make popular culture what it is today yep. if you just take one step away. Yeah, yeah. So good. If you've never watched Seven Samurai and, mm. and if you're one of those folks that understandably maybe maybe frightened by black and white films or watching a three hour movie in another language, it's beyond worth it. And yeah. if you think it's a little slow with the beginning, just, just just watch, turn your phone off, and, yeah. and don't let anything interrupt you, and sit down in the dark and watch three hours of great movie. The, because, man, the payoff. He was able to show you. He brings in, he introduces, <laughs> the character introduction in Seven Samurai is this guy, this really kind of daddy-like samurai, recruiting yeah. all these other samurai. And, like, he tests them. They walk into a room, and he stands behind, he has somebody stand behind the door with a sword just to test whether they would know what to do. Yeah. And every character walks in, reacts differently. There's yeah. the rash guy who doesn't see him, right? And he do, they don't want him, but he of course has a heart of gold. He overwins right? them, right? Yeah, or wins over them, yeah. And then there's the guy who instantly sees the shadow and goes, Whing! right? Yeah. Like the knife, come, the sword comes out, and every character is introduced so perfectly. Yeah, I, I'm going to stop geeking out. That's but the it's same so test. Good. They yeah. all respond in a different way, but the response yep. is always appropriate, and it yeah. tells you something about. The character. Yep. I, I love that. Yeah. So since I don't have you, I have the kids though, and I make them watch some of the classics. I, you know, watch Psycho with my daughter. Oh, and, what you and think just, of that? She liked it. I mean, I don't think she was scared. Yeah. I think the movies don't, you know, they're not as terrifying as they were back then. I like people fainted in the movie theaters yeah. back then before my time, by the way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, well, but, Psycho, you kind of, it's been done so much that you know what's going to happen. 
and and that takes a lot away. I think if you were didn't know that that the main character of the movie was going to die before your yeah. eyes half an hour in and just the guts i mean it starts out with a uh with an actress in a bra yeah and that's just the shock to the audiences back then and yeah. then they show he shows a, a shot of a toilet where the sensor set you can't show a toilet in a movie yeah and he's like why not you know yeah. and then uh, it's 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 just, and, and he's yeah. setting it up it's by for so an good. audience of that period you're kind of turned on you're kind of grossed out yeah and then I, I can't remember who i first heard point this out this movie's been dissected to death but yeah. you know when the killing happens she's naked She's in the shower where people slip yep, and hurt yep, themselves. Yep. There's blood. There's, or there's vulnerable. You know, you're vulnerable in a shower because yeah, you can't see through the curtain. Exactly. You, know? you can't see. You're trapped. Yeah. It's just all these scary things are happening at yeah. once. And yeah. it's so we said we're not talking about movies. We no, totally definitely didn't. not. Sorry, no, guys. That's, that's all Sorry. right. What word from German do you wish had an English counterpart? Well, I mean, there are a couple. There's definitely Schadenfreude. Okay. Do you know Schadenfreude? I know it. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to. Def- it exactly well it's um, the it's taking pleasure in somebody's misfortune okay is that the, is that the yeah. closest way to but put mostly it? it's because um because it gets butchered just like zeitgeist uh-huh the the ghost the spirit of the times yeah like people turn into zeitgeist and zeitgeist and all that and it's just it's it's a little painful but i understand you know we the corruption we, as we, we try to use or plenty of words from english and bastardize them and people talk about kid Kits all the time. Oh, look at the kits. Well, I mean, English is, is we, we, we steal a lot of words. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't say, I, I'm afraid to say the words now. I, that's no, I'm, 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 I'm the guy, know, honestly. But no, I get that. I'm used to seeing them in writing. Yeah. But I'm afraid to say So that. Schadenfreude, like, I, it, yeah. it's crazy to me that there is not a word equivalent, you know? That we just don't yeah. have anything quite yeah. to fit? Yeah. And you have, I mean, German is like, uh, German is like uh, language as made from Lego. You can take any words and put them together, right? So it's not, English is not constructed the, the same way. So if you go to VW's commercial Fahrvergnügen, right? It's just enjoyment of driving. Yeah. But in German, it's driving enjoyment. You just put those two Lego blocks together. And it you can make You can make a giant freaking Lego construction with, with German words. And so oh. schadenfreude, you do have enjoyment and you have damage, the, literally the two words. You well, know, well, enjoyment of damage. Was it Mark? Twain who said you take some German and then you take some German and you shovel some German in between them and you have German? Yeah, he was he was very clever. I, I, I love Mark Twain. He yeah. had some uh, some amazing observations. You uh, can have some I, words of extraordinary length. That, yeah. that, uh, he said pretty... something about like uh, you know like the German sentence like a like a diver or something and it in the end he comes up with or uh, comes up with a verb in the mouth at the end of the sentence or something. <laughs> like, no, I, I forget what the quote is. It's just awesome. Well, it's so a follow, good. Follow up question then from someone. One is from Thomas, um, who just asks English or German. Uh, when it comes to speaking a language, uh, you, you said you spoke, sorry, you know, you also speak Japanese, yeah. you speak some French. What language uh, of all the ones that you speak, which one do you enjoy using the most? So I'm 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 most comfortable now in English, just because I've I've lived in the in the United States for so long, and I, I, I've lived abroad longer than than in Germany. Right, mm-hmm. I left Germany when I was 19. Um, I'm uh, I'm in my mid 40s now, and so. Um, I speak English with my family, and I think I dream in English too. Oh wow! Like if I when I stub my toe, toe, I don't think "aua," you know. Yeah. I, I, I scream English expletives. What's the first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice? The sound of my own voice. Yeah. That's a weird question. Uh huh. We ask that at every guest or practically. Every well, guest. right now it's E3 because I lost my voice at E3 and it never quite came back. Okay. So it's, yeah. was that just from shouting on the show floor? Or? Well, we did a meet and greet um, for fans mm-hmm. the, the before the show. And unfortunately, the music was very loud. And okay. 
uh, our fans are awesome. They have a lot of questions, but mm -hmm. and I want to answer them, and so I had to yell every answer. And then at the end of the night, it was just <sighs> gone. Yeah, yeah. and then every day I had to talk. It's a lot. bad because you're going to be on camera every yeah, day after yeah, that, yeah. or, or yep. interviewing, or talking. No, I, so I actually when I when I hear myself speak, I can still hear my my accent i think when i accent there you go when i when i talk um when i speak english and there are germans in the room everybody always says oh your english is so good you know mm -hmm. how, how you, you speak like a native i'm like no i can hear i can hear words and like my kids will once in a while they'll make fun of something i say and and, and just i'm like yeah yeah well we'll see when you guys all speak german what do, do your kids speak german uh, the boys are super lazy. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 girl is not as lazy, mm -hmm. um, so she she can understand a ton. But um, we have we unfortunately didn't have that focus to only speak in German. You know, like it, it, I wish we had done that when they were little, just to get them that give them that gift of true kind of bilingual yeah. uh, bilingual education. But it's never too late. Yes. I didn't learn. I didn't lear, uh, start learning English until I was twelve. So. I'm surprised by yeah. that, actually. Yeah. Wow, and, I, you're, you know. Wow, I did not so know that. I'm very surprised. I by think that. I, I think they can do the same. What's your favorite word? My favorite word is probably flabbergasted. Oh, that's a great word. Yeah. Flabbergasted. It's just I, again, it's uh, like you look at that word and you say you can't use that today anymore, but you can. Yeah. You can. It looks like something out of an old, like, I was flabbergasted, right? Oh, I love when anachronistic yeah. words are but brought it, back. But it's like, it's like, flabber is like almost onomatopoeia. It's like, <laughs> right? yeah, it's like, it, it sounds like what yeah. it is. Yeah. And so, no, I love that. Great. I've always loved that word. That's a marvelous What's your favorite word? Good word? Uh, juxtapose. That's a really good word, juxtapose too. Juxtapose is like my favorite juxtaposed. word. Juxtaposed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, juxtaposed. It's there's a J and an X and a weird word. There's all kinds of weird yeah. letter constructions going on, and it sounds yeah. great. And it's got a great meaning, and yeah. that's just my favorite. I um I once uh, we interviewed Udo Kier as a German actor. He was in like the uh, what are the vampire movies with Kate Beckinsale? Uh, uh, yeah, I know uh, who he is. Yeah, he, Udo Kier was like one of the head vampires yeah. and great German actor. And uh, we interviewed him. He came to IGN once, yeah. and uh, he we spoke German. Oh. He's like, "Oh, German!" And he started speaking German, and um, he—it was very quickly apparent what his favorite word was because I had licorice from Holland, and he looked at it and he said, "Salz lakritz, salz lakritz, salz lakritz," and he was just so infatuated with that word, and he couldn't stop anymore. It what, was so what, what does that mean? In Salty licorice. Okay, that's all it said. Oh, so that's the weird Swedish yeah. salty licorice stuff. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. not weird. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's a little weird. Shout out to uh, our, our Norse friends. Man, like, you know, Sweden and Norway and, and uh, the Danish too. But, um, you know, and the Dutch make, they make licorice. Like, Americans think licorice is like little red vines and no, stuff. No, it's black. It's made from roots. And the Nordic countries and uh, Holland and Germany too put salt like ammonium chloride on that they, stuff. They really do. I it's like a salt lick. Like if you've ever if you've ever seen a goat licking like a block of salt and you snuck in there and licked that, that's what it's like. I just got back from my second trip to Sweden. I love Sweden. I think I would have live in Sweden. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. Oh. Um I like black licorice, but Man, the salt grenade is hard to... Uh, the, the Swedish salt grenade, by the way, I'm stealing that from another podcast you should totally oh, check so out. Good. good Job Brain, uh, which is a wonderful show. And they invented that term, I think. But uh, They got licorice in the shape of guns and skulls and crossbones. So you know it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> looks like... Around. 
It looks like it'll kill you. And it always has the warnings like, hey, this is not for kids. Like, Don't eat too many because there's like the max level of ammonium chloride that's legal for licorice. And yeah. like if you just eat too much, your blood pressure it's, rises. It's pretty and, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, it's more like wine and beer. Like don't indulge too much in it. Don't listen to this man. It's, it's so good. Run away. Oh, it's so run good. away. Uh, uh, Phil asks, I've never heard him say this. So what football club do you support? I kind of, I kind of fell out. Uh, like, uh, you know, I, I, the town I grew up in, it, it was Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mm-hmm. So um, Gladbach was was our team, um, and then later, obviously Cologne. Uh, I didn't support the Cologne team because they, they weren't very good. But Gladbach, uh, Borussia was always the team. But moving to the United States, you kind of lose track of that. And first, Japan, of course, right? You couldn't watch Bundesliga very easily. You know, you had to pay up the wazoo for the for the channels to watch them here. The times were always terrible, so it kind of stopped. And then whenever it's World Cup time, I put the German flag out and scare the neighborhood. <laughs> um, and obviously that worked out really well. I like to take credit for, for the last World Cup. That was all, that my, was all my, flag? my beautiful German flag. I put out the American flag too for American holidays. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but, yeah, but you got the German out there for, uh, got that yeah, for so the, the World Cup. National, German national team. I am just, okay. it, it's in that order. It would be German national team. Then, of course, I, I root for uh, for the United States team because I live here and then Japan. So okay. it's probably, it's in that order. Yeah, I, I, I fell on the uh, Japanese women's soccer team uh, oh, yeah, hype train yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Amazing stuff that. going that on in, in women's sports now, yeah. Uh, all right. So we've talked a lot. You've had a prestigious career in, okay. in this industry. You've, you've really caused a lot of wonderful things to happen. You talked about traveling to Japan. You, you worked, you know, obviously a very famous uh, elevator voice actor yeah. <laughs> uh, slash fashion model. Uh, which I know you carefully glossed over. I, I, I find those pictures. Um, so bad. They exist. Um, but I do think we have completely ignored your true claim to fame. What's uh, that? Which is, of course, the fact that you are one part of one of the Internet's most memorable uh, and oh. consistent memes. I see. Yeah, um, meme. Especially, uh, and a fairly early meme. Uh, as memes go, mm-hmm. and a meme that while you recognize it here in America, I think it's difficult to overstate how culturally pervasive it became in Japan for a while. It's scary. Um, it, it's kind of extraordinary. So lots of questions from people about this. I'm just going to go kind of with two of them. Exactly. Reaction guys. Yeah. Um, you are the closest to the camera. I'm the reaction guy. super excited guy. You're the super excited guy and yeah. reaction guys. So first off, if people aren't familiar with it, can you explain the meme and where it came from? Okay. So there are two pictures. One is, uh, and there are four people in the shot. There's, uh, I think in order, it's uh, Pierre Schneider, me. Then it's, uh, who's next? I, I forget. It's Matt Casamassina, Chad Chambers, who was our intern, is not no longer in the industry. Matt is at Apple now. And Craig Harris, who works with Matt at Apple. They were all at IGN at the time. We took... We were waiting for the Nintendo press conference to start. I think that's where the first picture was taken. It wasn't even a reaction, but we looked really dour, like bored. And I think that wasn't an actual reaction shot. I have to ask Corey Lewis, who took the picture back then, also at IGN at the time. Um, but it's us looking really kind of down and bored. Yeah, just sitting. And it was board. us watching a Nintendo E3 conference, the one where we were all expecting amazing stuff. And instead, they, re- they focused on their collaboration with Namco on a multi 
multiplayer Pac-Man game. Hey, that I, game is awesome. Okay, so not going to talk crap about it. In hindsight, it's great, but that's not what you want from an E3 conference. You don't want Miyamoto coming out and going like, so excited that you can connect multiple Game Boys together to this console and play this asymmetrical multiplayer game because everybody goes, well, we're never going to do that. Come on, like the times you got together to play Four Swords, like you had everything had to align. You had to have full batteries because you couldn't charge when you linked up. This is it exactly was not a good idea. What you want from a press conference? First yeah. off, I have to no. correct you. And second, the DS version allows you to do four people with one cartridge. Huh? The DS version of that lets you do four people. With so one no, cartridge. and like the the moment the moment uh, you make that stuff easier, of yeah. course it's fun. Pac-Man like Nintendo, so good. Nintendo Land shows asymmetrical multiplayer can be super fun, and you don't you don't need a lot to set up. But we're talking about the the age of the game bay the yeah. game boy advanced oh, yeah. I'm, cable I'm, I'm picking on you but i would like to be, i would like to, to correct slightly we're, we're misrepresenting pac-man versus in this uh-huh. case which only required one game boy plugged into your gamecube are you sure three players I thought it was... three players play on the screen and one oh plays on the, maybe one plays that on but the, it was still this. that stupid yeah. connection it was <laughs> It, it didn't, it just didn't love, work. Oh my anyway, God. I'm we ran out of battery playing Four Swords so many times on one of the Game Boys and you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And the game would end. It was, yeah. <laughs> That's painful. Um, yeah, the Four game Swords, was awesome. they did require. No, all of these yeah. games are good. All the ideas are good. But we, we were disappointed with the showing. And so our reaction then on IGN became this photo. We posted this photo and quickly fans on IGN took that photo whenever there was some disappointing announcement they would use that picture of us going mm, right a year later we knew twilight princess was going to be shown we had seen it before it was revealed we obviously had to keep mum and couldn't tell anybody i didn't know you knew ahead of time okay well nintendo didn't know either that we had seen it before okay yeah so we got we got uh, we got we had an in and we we saw it we faked a picture we took that exact picture that we had. We sat in a bunch of in in a row of chairs at E3 in yeah. the war room before the conference and took a picture of us then doing the opposite, same order but excited. So the fake. second picture was was staged. It was staged it based was all on fake. the first one becoming a minor meme. Yes, it was a minor meme on IGN. May have hit <gasps> like 4chan and some other message boards at the time already. Everything I believe in yeah. is a lie. I told IGN Japan this recently too. They they asked about the meme and I explained it too. Yeah, they were surprised by that too. So the second one is staged, it's fake, it's like, it's my like, yeah, my fake uh, excitement, and Craig going like, yeah, and Matt like, yeah. So, um, the and then title we of this posted, episode, the title of this episode is going to be a heartwarming story of a man and his father, and now it's going to be everything you believe is a lie. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, please continue. I don't know, but, but then we posted that picture yeah. as a hype picture to our audience, and our audience immediately knew when we're showing that picture, that Nintendo's conference would be a great one. And that is, that was one of the all-time great conferences. Yeah. When you watch it, you got to watch it with the audience reaction. It was a stampede of cheers. And we're talking about the Conan soundtrack from the Ocarina of Time commercials coming back. And it's like, dun, 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 you know, like, and it's Link swinging the sword for the first time while on the horse. Yeah. And like, people lost their minds. And then that picture those two pictures together somehow became this meme 
about you're disappointed by something and then they show you something else and you're excited. Yeah, my understanding is it's based on a, on a form of J Japanese four-panel manga. Yonko right? manga. Yeah, young. so mm -hmm. you've got a panel that shows something, yeah. they show the uh, disappointed reaction, yep. a panel showing something that contrasts, and they show you guys looking happy. Yeah. And to this day, you see this. So all the time, we don't, we didn't know that it had gotten that big in Japan until one, uh, one of our uh, IGN folks sent us a picture from an Akihabara electronics store where our, our meme was on the wall. It was like super sale. And it's like, ah, you know, we're like excited. And then um, my wife works at a Japanese company. And like, I, they'd be like, oh, you look familiar. And I'm like, and they're like, soda, soda. Like, <laughs> I'm like, how is this possible? How is it possible that so many people know this thing? And so this year at E3, um, uh, uh, IGN Japan brought a Japanese uh, idol, like someone who is a, a, a woman who is a singer and an actress in Japan. She was just so happy to meet me. And we took a picture and then she tweeted it out. And boom, my entire newsfeed is just Japanese retweets. And it's like, I don't know why it's so pervasive, why it's around. I've seen it in anime movies. Uh -huh. It's in, in animes. It's been on magazines magazine covers it's been an achievement unlocked icon in a japanese video game with the reaction guys um it's been in manga by famous artists um it's been in commercials and i have uh, a friend of mine brought me back stickers that he bought in harajuku oh wow. with it on with it. that on yeah, it. yeah so i one of the questions people wanted to know is which of those adaptations what's your favorite one what, well, what are ones that you just really made you laugh there's one, uh, I, I forget even the anime, there's one that um, uh, is us as anime girls and we have, <laughs> I have blue hair and I'm, I'm super cute and uh, it's just, it's just very charming because it's just, it's the exact expression, the exact poses. That's they only I'm do thinking. three of us, but like when I saw that one, I'm like, I'm, you know, it looked very professionally done. Too. That's really funny. There are a lot of freaky, there are a lot of dirty ones too, like where fans created dirty adaptations of us reacting to something not so PC. Yeah. There's just tens and probably hundreds of thousands of these. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a business. I mean, we're not making money from it and we don't like license it or anything. It's just, you know, it belongs to the community. And it belongs to it. the world. It belongs, belongs to the, the museum. museum. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's out there. It's, it's everyone's. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question for today. Uh, cake or pie? Cake or pie? So I'm a savory guy. Okay. So I'd go with pie, pie because okay. they're savory pies. I do appreciate a good piece of cake, but I've always, like, if anybody ever asked me sweet or salty, I would have always gone for salty. Okay. So yeah. what's a good savory I'll, pie you enjoy? I'll always go for, uh, like, a goat cheese tart or something, mm. or, like, a tart uh, Alsacienne or something, like a, a, a Zwiebelkuchen, or, like, it's an onion tart or something. I, I love that kind of stuff, like cheese and onions and all that. Now, you lived in the American Midwest for a while. Do you ever do, like, a pasty? Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Or, or, yeah. Or, or how did that stack up? Huh? Among the savory pies, what do you think of the uh, Midwestern American pasty? Um, well, I, do you, uh, I I don't know if I had, I had good ones. Oh. I mean, I, I am very happy with a with a cooking in this uh, here great country. I yeah, mean, mm. California has amazing restaurants. I went for our anniversary dinner. We went to a, a three star Michelin restaurant in ah. Napa, and it's just like the level of um, just the the inventiveness and everything is fantastic. But I'm also the guy. Who will who loves to have just currywurst and fries? You know, yeah. I love I love doing like Turkish fast food in Germany. All that stuff is really good. Um, some of that doesn't exist to that extent in the U.S. Yeah. You know, when I first came here, I was like, 
where the yakitori places, where the good ramen places, where is the where's Turkish food, where's Middle Eastern food, right? Like there wasn't a lot yep. on the on the West Coast. That's changed. Um, Have you found? I want to go. I want to go though to the the middle of. I want to. I've been to Texas and have barbecue, but not enough. I need yeah. to go to some of the other states there. I'll take you to the American Southeast sometime. Oh, man. We'll, yeah. we'll talk you through some pretty. I want to go to Wisconsin. Beautiful culinary stuff. The cheeses I've had that yeah. you know we get in California from Wisconsin. We used to have these commercials on uh, TV in California. California, it's the cheese, and they'd always make fun of Wisconsin. Wisconsin cheese is a hundred times better. Oh, you no. know, or, or was at least we got some good stuff in Napa now, like uh, Red Hawk and good cheeses. Wisconsin, but, shout yeah. out to so cheese, good, good beer, oh. good smoked beet or smoked beet. Let's make. Good smoked meat. I have not had, uh, had a smoked meat. Shout, shout out to Gary, uh, yeah. our pockets full of soup fan, uh, who also once tried carbonating soup uh, for our show. Uh, he has a carbonator that did not work out so well. That uh, sounds kind of strange. It was, yeah, but yeah. No, I got it. I just got it. When my when when my kids out of the house, my wife and I are just gonna do an eating tour <laughs> off, uh, and we got to go to the Midwest, and you know, yeah, just go get just, that. Just yeah, and then yeah. just we'll run we'll run back from uh, there to California. Thanks for giving up so much time for this. Uh, yeah, I love, yeah, look, yeah. love yeah, cooking. Look at me. I uh, I've been on the bad end of the loving food run. I've been eating too much love lately. So but you expand and contract. I've I seen know. you skinny, oh, I and I've doing... seen you much much bigger. Yeah, too. I yeah. was. I'm, I'm when we first back met, the right, right direction. Yeah. But no, still, you it's, you it's hard. Good stress makes me bloat. I, uh, well. Stress makes me helps me make bad choices. Stress makes me drink a lot of beer. Okay. Yeah. And snack a lot. Oh, man. But um stress yeah. sucks. You gotta avoid that. Thank you. Uh, for You're this. very Thank welcome. Thank you for welcoming me into your home and for, for sharing yeah. so much your store with these folks. I this, appreciate it. This was my favorite pocket full of tangents. <laughs> Look, it's I always mean, a pocket full of tangents. I mean, I'm I'm on, you know, I'm on IGN podcast and we try to stay on topic. Obviously, Beyond fails miserably at being on on topic. <laughs> And that's why we love it. Um, but NVC, we, we, we stay focused. And it's awesome to just kind of be able to ramble and go on tangents. Yeah. You know, my, my loves in life, my, my family, food, movies, video games, and all that. Um, I could talk for hours. And I know I can always talk for hours with you. But it's still fun you're, to do You're just way. a fountain of knowledge. Oh, you're I'm so always sweet. amazed. You're always yeah. too nice to you me. You know so you're much. I'm really nice to me. You guys know how much this guy knows. I no, mean, it's very randomly in the office, he'd pop up and he'd know something about the most like obscure topic. Not video game related, just super obscure. I just like lots of different like stuff. Like history. Like, oh, yeah. Really. But then I have huge holes. Like, to, to stay, I don't, you know, I know nothing about Pokemon. Nothing. You know? So, I, yeah, there's still time. Important things. That's true. There's, there's a lot of life time. left yeah. to live. Yep. Hopefully. Uh, so, hey, thank you guys. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Perry, anything you want to plug before you go? Uh, check out my website. It's <laughs> IGN.com. And no, honestly, what I want to plug is be good. Be good to people. I, um, I get very frustrated. People, um, you know, people on the internet can be mean. Mm -hmm. You know that. And I think there are lots and lots of good people. And I see this all the time on an, like if we review a game on IGN that maybe the audience likes a little better than we do, the entire feedback is negative. Mm -hmm. You know, you get this kind of like you betrayed the expectations of an audience. There is no 
there's no thanks for giving an alternate viewpoint, right? It's, it's pure anger. And it's an anger that is then remembered for a long time. And they bring it back. I see this with Ryan McCaffrey. Didn't like the alien game. You remember that? I remember right? that very well. To this day, he can't publish a piece without somebody saying, give alien isolation a, a really low because review, right? And it's like, it, it's like, that's not his body of work. And so if you frequent websites and YouTube channels and Twitch streams and you like something, say so. Like it is, you do not understand how important it is to laud people for a job well done. And usually we have this reaction where we want to say, that was awesome and step away. You can't do that. Just like when you're angry. So important to give feedback when you're angry or when you disagree. Very important to give that feedback. But remember to do it when you like something. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, uh, those are kind words. You've shown me tremendous affection. Show it everywhere and to everyone and every opportunity you get. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you for watching. I will uh, see you next time.